0: The views and opinions expressed during this program do not necessarily reflect those of the staff and management of Cox Media Group, Ohio. This hour is sponsored by There is a Season.
1: I'm Storm Center 7 meteorologist Kirsty Zantini. We're watching the radar right now. If weather breaks, we break in immediately. You're on 1290 and 95.7 WHIO, Dayton's News and Talk.
2: And I'm Dayton's consumer warrior, Clark Howard. You're listening to an Ask the Expert Weekend.
3: There is a season turned. Turn.
0: welcome to there is a season the bob and gloria show and the show that's all about how we change how we age and how we care for one another i'm bob wolf
1: and i'm gloria shanahan thank you for being with us again this week
0: this is the place where we talk about the seasons of your life and strive to provide better understanding and insight in matters of health caregiving relationships lifestyle changes and more
1: and with each season you experience comes its own set of challenges, joys, hardships, knowledge, and wisdom. We talk about all of those things here with the goal of providing you with resources, insights, and inspiration to plan for a fulfilling future for yourself and your loved ones.
0: You can enjoy and share a podcast of this program through our website, of course. There is a Seasonshow.com. There is a Seasonshow.com, as well as uh, this whole range of, of different other places you can catch podcasts. One is Apple Podcast, Google Play Music, Spotify, Stitcher, the TuneIn app, iHeart Podcast, and others. Just look for the There is a Season uh, name and for today's date. And of course, we'd love to hear your feedback about this and any There is a Season program. How can that be done?
1: All you have to do is drop us a note at Bob and Gloria at there is a com, or when you visit our site, just fill out our handy dandy form under the In Touch tab.
0: We'd love to hear from you today. We encourage you to listen closely to the program and invite others to listen no matter where they are. Call them up and send them a text or something and tell them you can catch it on WHIO.com. Right now you can stream the show live. And we've made it easy for you to join the program and uh, get into the conversation.
1: Yes, our number in the studio today is 457-1290. That's 937-457-1290. And we would certainly love to hear from you.
0: We had the pleasure this past week of joining the folks at the Vandalia Senior Center to talk a little about our show, its origins, our philosophy, kind of the underpinnings of what we do here. And some holiday messages, and we want to thank them for their hospitality and a wonderful audience.
1: Yes, they were very welcoming and very attentive. And Bob, they loved your undersized holiday sweater.
0: Yes, the three sizes too small sweater you made me wear. (laughs) Lovely pattern and design on that. You were
1: an elf, Uh, a well-fed elf.
0: Along with the blinking lights, it was very nice.
1: Yes, you were quite the visual representation of the holidays, Bob, and it Certainly added to what we were sharing.
0: Right along with the elfin socks that you had on and those little red shoes or boots or whatever you had going on. Yeah.
1: Well, I really could have gone overboard. I thought the socks and the boots, though, were the most tasteful.
0: Yes. Tasteful. That they were. Yeah. Well, you'll have an opportunity to hear some of that content uh, of that presentation in our Christmas special, which is going to be next week, which also will feature our traditional reading of a cup of Christmas tea. By author Tom Hegg. It's his story, but we'll do the reading ourselves. We do hope you'll tune in next week for all of that. In the meantime, we've been meaning for some time to talk about a topic, certainly not festive. In fact, far from it, really. Why are Um, we doing
1: that? Since it is the season? Because
0: people listen all times of the year, you know, and they'll catch podcasts of this later on. And we don't want to be too festive. It can't be too festive. Yeah, we got to go out of our comfort zone. Got to maintain an even keel here. All right, okay, But this is a topic of uh, increasing concern to a great many people in the country. We've touched on it before, and we're going to dig into it a little bit deeper today, especially given the almost unrelenting discord that's coming out of Washington— On a daily basis. Hourly, even, basis, right? on the news, right?
1: Yes, Bob, a quick review of the national news most days will show a great deal of disharmony among our leaders in the nation's capital, but all of that is perhaps just one aspect of a wider, more pervasive trend among our citizenry, one which seems to include more and more instances of anger and um, discourse in the form of social media, nightly news commentary, Sound bites from politicians, entertainers, and athletes; large-scale public confrontation, mm-hmm. and high-profile random acts of violence.
0: We've certainly had what seemed like unchecked national agitation in the past. We saw riots, uh, you know, following the Rodney King spectacle, the O.J. Oh, drama, wow, and all of that. Yeah. I mean you know, that's going on a couple of decades, almost 30 years ago now. Mm -hmm. Uh, We had much worse upheaval, of course, in the late 60s around the country. Uh, It's not that the country hasn't witnessed or experienced spasms of, of widespread unrest from time to time, but something about the overall tone of politics and societal unrest has people concerned today. One such historian and authority on this subject is Victor Davis Hanson. He's a professor out at Uh, Stanford University. Uh, He's a um, a historian, particularly about, uh, you know, politics and a lot of military subjects and so forth. And he's gone so far as to raise the question more than once about whether we're headed for what's called a second civil war in this country.
1: Yes, it might seem like for most of the country, daily life is perhaps not as uh, volatile or confrontational as what we've seen in bigger cities, especially in terms of mass demonstration or demonstrations that turned violent. But large-scale confrontation or even the threat of it reaches everywhere. Mm-hmm. You know, remember the rally, the KKK, held in our area and the preparation and cost of managing all that. Just what, last spring? Right, last we had year? gone
0: down and, and uh, walked through that area and saw the <laughs> fences up and the barriers and the vehicles parked and so forth um, because of the threat of the possibility of widespread you know, violence. Right. Uh, which is, uh, you know, we're not arguing for the KKK, or t- they're not talking about whatever their message was that day, but the response, the fear. And so I'm sure, you know, the civil authorities here will say they did what they thought was appropriate, and it cost well over a million dollars to do all of that. Uh, but that's partly because of the tone of our, our discourse nowadays just seems so much more agitated. We're always seeing, you know, fights between this group and that group. Uh, so that, that instance there and others we've seen, uh, including some mass shootings where there has been some motive stated or some manifesto released. Uh, we, we've seen that uh, here. We've seen it in other communities in the last several years. And, and you have to wonder, are these singular instances of uh, mayhem and violence, you know, statistically, they just happen to pop up once in a while? Or are they emblematic of the extreme edges or the fringe of a larger culture that is teeming with dissatisfaction, with alienation, and a need to demonize opposing views and those who hold them. In other words, it's not just a matter of saying, I disagree with you, but because I disagree with you, you are the other, and I'm going to take every opportunity now in social media and other places to vent my spleen about that in a very angry way. So Victor Tavis Hanson wades into this uh, with a topic um, he actually wrote about a year ago called Are We on the Verge of Civil War? And, um, well, he, he likens it back. He traces right back to the dates.
1: Yeah, he says it seems the country is back to 1860 on the eve of the Civil War rather than in 2018 during the greatest age of affluence, leisure, and freedom in the history of civilization. The ancient historian... What's that? Thucydides. 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 Called the civil discord that tore apart the 5th century BC, Greek city-states stasis. Stasis. Stasis, yeah. He saw stasis as a bitter civil war between the revolutionary masses and the traditionalist middle and upper classes. And he goes on to say something like that. Ancient divide is now infecting every aspect of American
0: life. Now, before you react one way or the other and say he's, he's crazy or that's alarmist and so forth, listen to what the argument he makes here. Americans increasingly are either proud of past U.S. traditions. You see an awful lot of that at a, at a Trump rally, a lot of, you know, USA, USA. We are certainly now uh, responding and, and um, welcoming home veterans in a way we never did, you know, following the Vietnam War uh, at stadiums at basketball games every opportunity we get to to thank our veterans so there is a, a certain tradition for that um, and and so you have a certain group of people who are proud of those traditions uh, about uh, current American exceptionalism they believe that America and our story and our history truly is uh, exceptional or you have people who insist uh, that the country has been hopelessly flawed since its birth and must be radically invented to rectify its original sins.
1: Americans are, um, indeed, Bob, increasingly either proud or not proud. But no sphere of life is immune to the subsequent politicization. Not movies, television, professional sports, late-night comedy, or colleges. Even hurricanes are typically leveraged to advanced political agendas, right. if you can
0: believe that. Any weather uh, issue right now is leveraged to advance a political agenda.
1: So what is causing America to turn differences into these bitter hatreds? And why
0: now? The Internet and social media often descend into an electronic lynch mob. There's a, there's a phrase that right itself is, is incredibly charged. In an nanosecond, an insignificant local news story goes viral. Immediately, hundreds of millions of people use it to drum up the evils or virtues of either progressivism or conservatism. Anonymity is a force multiplier of these tensions. Fake online identities provide cover for, either, uh, for even greater extremism on the logic that no one is ever called to account for his or her words. Speed is also the enemy of common sense and restraint. So you've got millions of bloggers out there who rush to be first to post their take on a news event. A lot of times people without any context of history either or dynamics or context, they're shooting out their opinion. And they don't have much worry about whether it soon becomes fake news uh, or if it is fake news or unsubstantiated gossip and fiction.
1: Yes, and globalization has both enriched and impoverished and also further divided America. Those who muscular labor could be outsourced abroad to less expensive and less regulated countries were liable to lose their jobs or find their wages slashed. They were written off as losers. Americans whose professional expertise profited from vast new world markets became even richer and preened as winners.
0: You can see this with some of the geography of the country, right? When you see these maps that went up here, we used to, you know... Uh, I'm not sure if they did the maps years and years ago when they did the electoral votes and so forth. They would just say whether a state went for this or that candidate. But nowadays it's stark. You see the red states, the blue Mm -hmm. states, and it's further fueling um, this economic and cultural divide. You see on the country where the blue is, where the red is. (laughs) and they are uh, people that are increasingly self-selecting that way. They tend to think of themselves as red or blue, and therefore it means you are of a certain mindset one way or the other. We have a lot more to get into with this, uh, Victor Davis Hanson. Uh, so uh, think about what we're saying here. Is, are the differences today that much more stark? Is it possible that we are actually continually moving in the direction of something More serious as a nation are we headed for civil war are the lines dividing us politically socially culturally and religiously becoming clearer and that much more defined and if so what's driving that do you feel it yourself are the differences of today leading to more anger and volatility in your opinion we'd love your opinion on that today four five seven twelve ninety when we come back we'll tell you about a study which claims that violent upheaval in our society is cyclical and it's due as early as this coming year. 457-1290 to join us next.
1: You're listening to There is a Season on 1290 and 95.7 WHIO, Dayton's News and Talk.
0: The Miami Valley's only radio station for 24-hour breaking news, weather and traffic. 1290 and 95.7 WHIO, Dayton's News and Talk. Welcome back to
1: There Is a Season. I'm Bob Wolf, and I'm Gloria Shanahan. 457-1290, If you'd like to share your thoughts with us today,
0: the topic today—no, it's not festive. It's not elfin. It's not Christmas. No, not today. It's a, a little. We're bit taking more. a break from it's the a, festivities. It's, we'll get back to it next week. Yep. It is a, a social commentary program, though, and it, and the question is: Are we headed for a second civil war in this society? Those are very strong words, of course, and perhaps the thought is outlandish, but some think it is still possible that the tide of human emotion and discontent in our age is bubbling over, and that such a thing is not new.
1: And let's just worry all of our listeners right before Christmas. (laughs) That's what I'm thinking. (laughs) Anyway, you talked earlier, Bob, about a tide of discontent bubbling over, and that such a thing is not new. No, in fact, a study by Wolcherver, published back in 2012, actually looked at our nation's history and suggested that we are in a regular cycle of upheaval perhaps even violent upheaval, and that we could potentially see such upheaval as early as next
0: year. Yes, the, the lady Natalie Wolchover uh, did this study, actually it's going back six or seven years, and it was asking the question, will the U.S. really experience a violent upheaval in 2020? She had studied this.
1: So uh, circa 1870, around then, the North fought the South in the Civil War. Now, half a century later, around 1920, worker unrest, race, racial tensions, and anti-communist sentiment caused another nationwide upsurge of violence. Then, 50 years later, the Vietnam War and civil rights movement triggered a third peak in violent political, social, and racial conflict. 50 years after that will be 2020. If history continues to repeat itself, we can expect a violent upheaval in the United States in a few years. Now it sounds like pseudoscience, but it's a published theory. She writes, "My model suggests that in the next peak in violence, that it will be worse than the one in 1970 because demographic variables such as wages, standards of living and a number of measures of intra-elite confrontation are all much worse this time."
0: There's a lot in the article and we'll point it toward we'll send you toward it at the end of the program here and so forth, but she says, you know, why 50-year cycles? And uh, Natalie uh, explains that uh, the surge in violence begins in the same way as a forest fire, explosively. After a period of escalation followed by sustained violence, citizens begin to yearn for the return of stability and an end to fighting. The prevailing social mood swings towards stifling violence at all costs, and those who directly experience the civil violence maintain the peace for about a human generation. But the stability doesn't last. Generations die off. New cohorts arise. People do, who did not experience those horrors of civil war and unrest are not immunized against it. The long-term social forces that bring about the first up, outbreak and unrest when these things bubble over suddenly rear their head again. Again, it's an interesting concept. and It just uh, shows you that there is some re- uh, some research out there about the topic, and it's relevant only because we're coming up on another 50-year uh mark in the calendar here, according to that uh, research. 457-1290 is the number to call today if you'd like to join the conversation. Is our nation headed toward another civil war? With each passing year and each major election or referendum on a major social issue, are we becoming so divided and polarized that a major upheaval is coming closer? 457-1290 to join us, 457-1290, right after the news.
1: You're listening to There is a Season on 1290 and 95.7, WHIO, Dayton's News and Talk.
0: Welcome back to There is a Season with Bob and Gloria, the show about how we change, how we age, and how we care for one another. I'm Bob Wolf. And I'm Gloria Shanahan,
1: 457-1290, to join in the conversation, and there is a line open for you.
0: Well, you want to fight about it? No, not particularly. Well, some do, Gloria, some do. Our nation, it would seem, has a sizable enough population willing to fight it out Hmm. beyond our normal deliberative legislative process. And when the normal legislative process hasn't worked, many have chosen the extrajudicial option, that is to sue for whatever right or privilege they want. And whether that has worked out or not, there's a portion of the country all too eager to go to battle, to burn things, to overturn cars and whatnot. The question is, how far will we go in those battles? And that's what we're talking about today. Is there a portion of the country here interested in some kind of eventual civil war? You know, that we've done these shows before talking about socialism and how it's real popular with a lot of the millennials. What are we looking at here in the next several decades? And even if there are differences of opinion, how will we have that discussion? How will we have that debate? Are people interested in simply battling it out? And so let's welcome Marie to the program. She's been waiting for us. Marie, welcome to There is a Season.
3: Hi. Yes. Uh, this is the first time I've ever called anybody. But I love your show, and I am, uh, uh, I am a dinosaur uh, a generation. <laughs> Do we uh, yeah.
1: have that one? <laughs> I don't know. I've not heard of that.
3: <laughs> yeah, yeah. I, I feel like I'm on my way to becoming extinct. But what we're <laughs> observing in this culture is a terrible education system. They are very, they don't know what they're talking about. Uh, mm-hmm. And a lack of God uh, as, as a foundation of morality. Um, those two sort of things are killing us. Well, and, I... and, and what I, I hear in the news every day Socialism is great. Um, uh, our history is bad. We were badly founded. That's ridiculous. Uh, we we have we have righted our wrongs. We are working on it. This system, you can't do that if you've got a tyrant in charge. And I'm not saying that that's Trump. Mm-hmm. Trump is uh, is doing his best to make America great again. Mm-hmm. And um and we were we're really uh, in such a and Reagan said, we're only two generations from, from falling. And it, it worries me of what's happening.
0: What, what I sometimes sense uh, goes on, and let me come back to the history point in a moment you made here about our education system. But I, something Gloria hears me say a lot of times, and it's not new, I didn't create this, but the idea that don't let the perfect become the enemy of the good. That th- there's a utopian mindset among people that looks at anything that was evil in the past And builds it up and say that anything good that occurred, even while the evil was present, is somehow suspect. So a a perfectly good point. If you ever studied the Constitution, the Constitution said nothing about slavery. If you've read about what went on in 1787 in the formation of that Constitution, it's not that slavery wasn't discussed, but it was the third rail. And they realized we were not going to get this Constitution done and get the country reformed how, in the direction it needed to go to if we took that issue on right now. We'd just come through one war, the Revolutionary War, and the Civil War eventually did have to happen quite a bit later. But people will look at that and say, ah, ah we were flawed from the beginning because we didn't solve it all of a sudden. 400 years of slavery, and we didn't solve it right there in that that summer in Philadelphia. Therefore, the country is flawed. That's one of the things that I've always thought was suspect about how people think, that somehow you have to have a perfect solution, you know, or or retroactively you have to be able to go back and correct all of the ills in order to have legitimacy. Do do, do you sense that sometimes in the thinking with people?
3: Yes. Yes.
0: The other thing I've noticed. I I do. Yes,
3: we did. It was a compromise. Uh, this generate we're not we're com- we're not compromising. We can't even sit down and have a discussion.
0: No, because everything everybody feels that you know we've got the solution over here or we've got the solution over there, and there's not much deliberation. Instead, it's let's let's see who can shout the loudest. Let's see who can see who can send the nastiest tweet uh, of that day. Yeah. Uh, what you said about education was also interesting. There have been articles, and I don't have one here in front of me today, but that have talked about how the history books have been rewritten in line with a lot of this forgetting of the past. And so right. critical things that we may have learned in our generation about major wars and why they were fought or major things that happened in our, in our past have been minimized or rounded off into a tiny little part of a chapter in favor of the buildup of some other multicultural message. For
3: sure. Yeah. Yeah. yeah.
0: What, what do you see that this, this lack of God and uh, this watering down of education, how has that affected uh, people's ability to communicate with each other when they have differences?
3: Um, it's, it's, it's very hard to explain uh, why, why we are against socialism. And if you, lose, if you lose your freedom, it's so hard to get it back.
0: Mm-hmm. They don't
3: realize what they're throwing away.
0: They, and they it's don't scary. see that they don't see that socialism is a loss of freedom. They just see it as a way to get stuff.
3: Yes, right. exactly. Yes, they think it's a, a free plate.
0: <laughs> yeah. All right, well, thank you very much for the call, Marie. And uh, uh-huh. we'll continue on here. We appreciate you listening and call anytime, okay? Uh,
3: yes. Okay, thanks. thanks. I love thank you. your show. Thank, thank you. you. Thank
0: you. Four five seven twelve ninety 1290 to call in today. Are we headed for a civil war in this nation? Uh, you know, has it gotten that severe? Could it within the next five, ten years, regardless of what the cycles say? Let's welcome Gary to the program. Gary, welcome to There is a Season.
2: Well, thanks for taking my call. I'm a big fan of Victor Davis Hanson, not just on his uh, interpretations of the Punic and Peloponnesian Wars, but on his observations of American society today. Uh, I think, though, that uh, Dr. Hanson... uh, uh, he's, a, he's a scholar at Hillsdale in Michigan, but he, he lives in California mm-hmm. in some of the areas that are the most dysfunctional in the United States. And I think sometimes that colors his, um, his interpretations. But uh, from a historical viewpoint, you know, in the past, candidates tended to praise the wisdom and the virtue of the American people, even people like Williams Jennings Bryan. Who lost the presidency on three di- in three different elections was never uh, prone to, you know, casting aspersions on the character of the American electorate. However, last election we had a, uh, a candidate who declared basically half the people of the United States deplorable. Mm-hmm. Now, why why were they deplorable? Do they obey the law? Do they practice virtue in their daily life? Do they pay their taxes? Uh, that was never part of the of the um, explanation or the equation. Uh, they were deplorable because they did not agree with this particular candidate on a checklist of, of various social issues. Now, when you have this type of contempt for the electorate at the very top uh, of you know the the American electoral pantheon, then then you have real issues. Uh, I think that uh, the drawing line. Is as a, as the previous caller said, socialism. In socialism, you actually have to go and take things away from people. Mm-hmm. Uh, we have a, a number of the United States that wants to disarm the other part of the United States. I think that this could be the line in the sand—the uh, taking, th- you know, the actual going in and taking things away, and uh, the the uh, attempts uh, to disarm.
0: You have already uh, seen it with. Uh, there have been legislation passed now in in various uh, cities and counties well, in the United States, Virginia,
2: in particular, right. as, and,
0: as we speak. And the sheriff uh, in that local community um, will turn around and say, "Well, okay, um, if that's what you're going to do, we're going to increase our CCW training, or we're going to urge the citizenry to go out and and uh, you know purchase guns that you know they might not otherwise have purchased at some time before that." Uh, they're trying to find a way to uh, answer. Uh, on the basis of a constitutional right, not the latest law of the week. Well,
2: but see, in Virginia, you have the rural and you have the urban, and you also have some of the the wealthiest. Uh, you know, well, actually, the, the wealthiest uh, counties in the United States are are in Virginia, uh-huh. uh, that area in the in the beltway around the. Uh, and so, their their attitudes about guns are going to be quite different than the ones in uh, rural areas. Where they're still hunting and people still feel the need for self-protection. Right. And so if, if, if uh, like I said, if, if there ever was this, and I'm not talking about, you know, the occasional protest or anything like this. I'm talking about the down and dirty where blood is, is shed. It will be these two issues. Do you and think... so how do you... we go from here uh, will depend on how we, we approach those two issues. You... I, I think... As as a note of optimism, I think a working society is a happy society, and the uh, American middle class, as as we see, just looking across the landscape of Dayton, Ohio, with the with the uh, empty factories and, and and silent smokestacks, that the American working class has been urinated on for about the last 40 years by both political parties. This is a prop, uh, I think the first uh, president with an economics degree. And what he is proving is is that getting the American people, and by the way, uh, American uh, uh, entrepreneurship and get up and go and get to work and get your hands dirty—that's that's that's a particularly American exceptionalistic uh, quality
0: that we have. Well, they've even uh, there's been articles written that people who have come to this country from other socialist places, whether they've you know whether they've supposedly left because of persecution a lot of times they're coming for economic reasons that once they get here even if they they make it to the united states they don't really know how to function in in this country they don't know how to get that you know get up and go because they're waiting for some uh, action on the part of the government to direct their lives or to provide them sustenance well, so that they, could they're very kind well of be illiterate the
2: case, but i think that as as this president uh uh leases back the restrictions that have and and uh, the uh the uh things that have kept this uh, it's you know this economy from growing and the American people from working i think you're going to see a lot less discontent and, and a lot more uh agreeableness among among in the inside the electorate because we have had what the last four years has been nothing but one economic disaster after the next uh Trade deals that are, are, you know, counter to the—we've uh, we've basically uh, done everything in the world to hurt our own selves.
0: Well, Gary, and, we're going to see what happens here, and I appreciate the call. Uh, sure. uh, the uh, elections don't change everything overnight, but we certainly have seen these swings back and forth. And there seems to be, uh, in the country, there has been a, a, a constantly a drift to the left. Even if you look back at Ronald Reagan's pre- presidency, in some ways it was a corrective to what had gone on. Uh, In the Lyndon Johnson years, and before that with FDR, and before that with Wilson, the country has become more and more uh, used to statist policies, big policies flowing out of Washington. Uh, The question we have today is, what has it done at the street level? Are people, and we touched on this here, and Gary touched on it, and I appreciate that, what are people doing at the street level with regard to their differences of opinion? Are we willing to have people continue to duke this stuff out in Congress, which generally has an, an abysmal rating you know approval rating because it seems like they don't get things done and so you've got demagoguery on both sides you know people say this people say that and in the streets people want to fight it out over these things and they're they're past the point of deliberation it seems in a lot of these points now we were talking about victor davis hansen's article uh, about whether we're on the verge of civil war and we're going to return to that uh, when we come back we got a few minutes still here in the program and we'll discuss a few more things he has to say when we come back and also take a look at what's next on there is a season 457-1290 if you'd still like to get in today i'll be back right after this
1: you're listening to there is a season on 1290 and 957 w-h-i-o dayton's news and talk
0: when the miami valley gets hit with breaking news severe weather or traffic tie-ups depend on us for up to the minute information 1290 and 957 w-h-i-o dayton's news and talk Welcome back to There Is a Season. I'm Bob, and I'm Gloria. And uh, coming up on uh, our, our show here in the next several weeks, we're going to be talking about careers later in life, also the role of faith in America today, and we've got our Christmas show coming for you next week. So be sure to tune in for that at nine o'clock on Saturday morning. Uh, you made a good point here when we were talking about um, uh, we were talking about schooling uh, mm-hmm. off mic here and. and uh, what is happening? And I kept—I think I asked you the question. Well, why is it so abhorrent for modern teachers to teach what went on before, particularly in history? And why, if if why is that not valued? And you said something like I, they're not even aware. No, I, so, I think
1: over the past several decades, maybe the last twenty, thirty, maybe even forty years, they're not fluent. They they don't know history. Therefore, they just teach to the tests. They teach to the tests, right? And and so the question, especially when not, you get to high school and you have to take government. Yeah. So there's, teach there's, to that test so there's that a whole bunch pass. of
0: yeah quick answers there on the test. There's uh, no passion, but not the there's why. No interest. There's yes. no why.
1: There's no. In, so the kids aren't excited. They're just passing. And the I test. think there's a certain arrogance, maybe.
0: whether it's on the part of teachers or or maybe it's the people who put the material together. When you forget the lessons of history, you know, there's almost a thought that well, those are old old stories from people 200 years ago. What could they possibly have known? They don't know anything about our situation today. Which, again, is is a dividing line between a lot of liberal thought and conservative thought. Conservatives have thought that the human species hasn't changed all that much over the years. And that historical years.
1: perspective and experience is very important right, coming into we,
0: the new Age of we tend to feel the same things. There's always poverty and wealth. There's always a, a lot of the same tensions. And so people have done some of the heavy lifting on this already. So I'm suspect to
1: something underneath, some undercurrent that is wanting to completely dismantle that so that we can almost be sorry somewhat brainwashed into a new way of thinking and a new way right. of looking at how we should go forward as a country.
0: Right. The I don't that, know. That somehow today we've just figured out, you know, the, the big yeah. issue is suddenly figure. and we're not new at this. There have been other generations that have done the same thing that suddenly think we have the answers. Uh, what was it? Uh, Obama's uh, acceptance speech in Denver after the election. We are the change we've been waiting for. or Some other. Yeah. And
1: then uh, there, the bumper stickers came out for all of us to be the change we hope to see in the world. Yes.
0: And, A know, call she, to. We right.
1: need to change the way things are going. Yes, as if,
0: right. as if uh, you know, and here we look at the world now, we have more acrimony, but it's not as if all of the problems have been solved. Absolutely. Not nor, if anything, they've gotten worse. And no one president's going to do it. Right. Not even this president's going to solve all the problems of the world. That's a deeper, higher calling, you know, when you get right down to it. And I think our earlier caller, Marie, talked to
1: compromise. Why can't we compromise? There's no compromise. It's this way or that way. And if if that's not going to come together, we have riots. We have, yes, violence.
0: Well, we're not really going to do justice to the rest of these articles, unfortunately, in the time we have left. So let us point you toward them, okay, because these are some good articles. Where can people find this first one that we were talking about? So,
1: yes, the title is Are We on the Verge of Civil War by Victor Davis Hanson, and it comes from September of 2018, and you can find that at nationalreview.com.
0: He also wrote a longer article called The Origins of Our Second Civil War, where he gets into five or six of the key dynamic uh, forces that are that are shaping this conversation. That was also in uh, nationalreview.com, but it was in July of 2018. Uh, another gentleman who's written about this is Dennis Prager. Um, you can also find him out there. Tim Mack wrote Another Civil War, Pessimism About Political Violence Deepens in a Divided Nation. And the one where we had the survey... Uh, was from Natalie Wolchover that was in livescience.com from August of 2012. Yeah. Uh, there's a lot of good material out there and this is one of those conversations worth having, you know, kick around whether or not you think we are so polarized we can't even have a conversation anymore about your opinion and my opinion. Right. Unfortunately that's all the time we have uh, today. So if you want to check out the podcast this program, there is a com is where you find that. In the meantime, remember, dear friend, to seek grace in every step. Never regret growing older because it is a privilege denied to many. For my friend and co-host Gloria Shanahan, for our producer and everyone who makes the show possible, thank you for your time and attention and interest. We'll see you again soon. You've been listening to There is a Season on 1290 and 95.7 WHIO. Dayton's News and Talk. Have a blessed week.